I want to say today that God, and, and I, please don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say. God is infinite. There, God doesn't have time. He was before time. He'll be after time. But we're governed by time. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to live, and there's a time to quit living. But there's something different about God's church, and that's this. Death may come, but hell can't hold you. The grave can't hold you. Nothing can hold you if you fall asleep in the arms of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bible, read with me. I'm going to start with verse 17 of, uh, 7 of Psalm 17. Psalm 17, verse number 7. Shew thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee. From those that rise up against them, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Then he said in Psalms 91, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And listen to what that just said. It said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, shall live under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the nuisance pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thy, under, under his, let me get, his truth, shall you under the wings, shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. I'm going to read a scripture I really wasn't intending to read, but I want to read 2 Corinthians 9 and verse, let me just begin and say that this is something that I feel like God wants to say to us today. And he said unto me, my grace, is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will I rather glory in mine infirmities, Paul speaking, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in necessities and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now I'm going to take my text today from this, Isaiah 66. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my hand, mine hand made. And all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, 
even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my words. Father, we love you today. Your word is forever established. I pray you take these next few moments, God, and help us to understand that you're God. You're God when the sun comes up. You're God when the sun sets. You're God when the storm comes. You're God when the rainbow shines. You're God in the good times. You're God in the bad. You're God in every situation. And God, you are our Father. You are our leader. You are the cornerstone of our church. And upon you we stand today in Jesus' name. And you may be seated today. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Amen. He's speaking this to people who thought they had it all figured out. They figured out what they thought would please God. He's speaking to a people that thought they could impress God with lavish buildings and temples and fancy, beautiful curtains. He's speaking to people that thought that they, he could be impressed. Now, I'm fixing to startle some of you thought that they could, he could be impressed with a beautiful edifice. I'm going to tell you, I thank God for this building today, but this building did not bring the presence of God into this place today because where the children of God are is where he is going to be. It may be on the street corner preaching, but I thank God today it doesn't make any difference if it's a shack or a mansion. God is there to make sure that you're going to be okay. And I want to preach to you today. The Lord will help me for a little bit. When a broken house becomes God's dwelling place. When a broken house becomes God's dwelling place. God is speaking to people and he said, I've watched you. And now hear me when I tell you this today. God has got his eye on his church. God has got his mind at all times on his church. You say, Brother Stevens, God's got things to do all over the world. But I tell you, God can take care of China and Russia and Ukraine and America and the world at the snapping of the finger and the speaking of a word. God's God. He's God when you get up in the morning. He's God when you go about your day. He's God when you lay your head down on your pillow at night. He's just God. Thank you. Sister Lord, Sister Lord, I want to say it's good to have you with us today. These folks from getting, I appreciate them being here today. But he said... How do you propose to build me a dwelling place when I am the God that holds the whole universe in the palm of my hand? I am the one that spoke and things began to appear. How do you think that you can build me a church, an edifice that you can box me up and put me in the God that is omnipresent God of all the earth? I'll tell you today, he cannot be housed inside of a building. You know why? You take him home with you every time you walk out. You bring him with you every time you walk in. Are you hearing me today? 
I don't care how big the problem. I'm telling you, I've got a God that's bigger than any problem, any circumstance, any situation that you go through. Amen. Do you think that God is impressed by the things that we do with our lives that do not pertain to him? I'm going to lose some of you here. But we spend more time thinking about what we're going to do with this and that and the other than we do with God. Someone made a statement, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but someone made a statement. I think it was Sister Mangan. She made a statement. She said, two things bring you to prayer. It's either a catastrophe or fear, or it's something that you need to get right with God. And I tell you today that we as the people of God have got to understand something. There's never been a better hour to pray than we're living in right now. Never been a time to seek God like we're living in right now. Amen. I'm not talking about here I lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about saying a prayer over a meal. I'm talking about a prayer. Would you just please forgive me for a moment? I came to this church yesterday and I prayed. And as I walked around this building, I got to thinking about different things, and I stopped here, there, and yonder, and I just lifted my hands, tears streaming down my face, and I told God how thankful I was. I told God how grateful I was, not for this building. I thank God for it, but I thank God for the privilege and the honor of standing behind the pulpit for over 50 years. I thank God for having the baptism of the Holy Ghost for almost 55 years. I thank God for God allowing me to bear his name in the glory and the power of his majesty. Amen. I'm telling you, God is not impressed with golden things. He's not impressed with leaves that you hew out and make things that supposed to impress everybody. And I'll go a little bit further than that. You know the gold that Solomon dug to take care of the beautiful temple? God was the one that put that nugget under the ground. He's the one that put the silver there. He's the one that made sure it was there. I read that and I said, God, I want to tell you something. No matter what I'm going through, you're the God that's already got the blessings taken care of before I get there. Austin, it's time to pray. It's time to allow the glory of God to come into broken vessels so that we can be touched and renewed again. The Lord, I want you to know, created everything and there was nothing that we could do to inhabit or create anything that he inhabited without his blessing and without his power. We can build anything elaborate. We can't build anything that will entice him to come. We can't build a building that's so beautiful that'll come. I've walked in buildings before, and when I looked at them, I said, I've never seen anything this beautiful before in my life. But I realized something. That did not entice the presence of God to come. But when God's people lift their hands and begin to worship and begin to praise and begin to allow the glory to pour out of their heart, it brings down the power 
power of the presence of God. Amen. It brings God's attention to where we are. It made God no difference where it was. And it wasn't a beautiful tabernacle. It was made out of goat skins and badger skins. And it was just a little place in the desert. But I'm telling you, every, every time they came to bring a sacrifice, God met with them there. Amen. And I tell you today, it's not how much you have. It's how much you give. It's not how much you could do. It's how much you do. Amen. Oh, you're not hearing me today. It's not saying, I know how to pray. It's praying. It's not saying, I know how to do. It's doing it. Amen. David cried out in Psalms 31. He said, I'm forgotten as a dead man. I'm out, I'm out of your mind, God. I'm like a broken vessel. David said, I had it all together, God. I was anointed king, sat above my brothers. My life was good. I'd won victories. I'd slain the beast and I'd slain the giant. Things were going well, but to my surprise, instead of taking the throne, I suddenly found myself hiding away in the caves where I should not have been. I'm going to tell you something, and, and you take this any way you want to take it. You can live a lonely life even sitting in a church. You can live a lonely life that people do not know about and you come to the house of God and they may not understand what you're going through. But can I tell you, you never get to a place that God doesn't know where you are. You never get to a situation that God doesn't know how to take care of it. And David said, I, I got a surprise in my life. Instead of being elevated to the throne, I was pushed down to hiding in caves and running for my life. Instead of being in a place that I could enjoy everything, I found myself running instead of being on the throne. I found myself, instead of ruling, I was just trying to stay alive. Whereas I, I had it together yesterday, I found that today I was forgotten by God. I've become a broken vessel. I'd become a vessel that could not function. I'd become a vessel that could not go through the capacities of what God wanted me to do. I'm going to talk to you from my heart for a while today. I'm not going to preach to you long, but I want to talk to you from my heart today. It's so easy to forget how good God's been to you. It's so easy to allow the things that God has done for you. I'll be honest with you, when, when I hurt my arm, my wife was with me, that thing popped like a gun, and I watched it roll down to my elbow, watched my muscle roll down to my elbow. And my wife said, what is that? What was that? And I said, that was my arm. And honestly, honestly, I got up, I laid everything down, and I just walked away. But several days, I don't know if it was a pity party, I don't know if I just felt sorry for myself, but I couldn't talk about it. And I got to thinking, I got to thinking, you know, sometimes you just don't understand. You don't understand why it should be going good 
and it's not going good. You, you wonder why is all of this happening to me. You wonder why after you spend almost five years building a building that you get through and you have to have back surgery and you've got cancer that's foamed up. And I was walking around here thinking all about that yesterday and I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I was thinking, God, I, I wonder sometimes why that happened. One thing after another. That's why I tell you, Pastor, that when you go through what you've gone through, God's got another side of that that's waiting on you. I promise you that. And I told God, I said, God, some things I just don't understand. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not, I've never heard an audible voice from God. But I felt like the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, if I wanted you to know, I would have told you in advance. Amen. But you know what? When it happened to me, I had questions. But when God took it over, I had answers. When it happened to me, I had fear. But when God healed me, I had great faith. Amen. 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 A week ago, I couldn't hardly lift that hand up. Amen. That the doctor looked at, he told you about it. The doctor looked at my arm and he said, man, you got a wad down there. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And I, my wife and I had bound together and prayed. And before I left to go to the doctor, we prayed. And I said, honey, we're going to pray. Because every doctor that I'd gone to, including the hospital, had told me that would have to be operated on and put back in place. And, and I, I was going to the doctor, and I told my wife before I left, I, I don't want to have surgery. Help me believe, agree with me, I'm not going to have surgery. And when that doctor walked into the room, matter of fact, the nurse looked at it first, and she said, oh. <laughs> and boy, that makes you feel good. <laughs> and the doctor walked in, smile on his face, and he looked at my arm. Now listen to me. It didn't take him five minutes. It didn't take him two minutes. In less than a minute, he looked at me and said to me, I don't need to do anything for your arm. It'll take care of itself. And all of a sudden, he looked at me and said, is that all right? And I said, I, I grabbed my shirt, put it back on, and I stood up and I said, doctor, let's let me get out here. I promise you that is all right. When God does it, he always does it right. Amen. David said, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. When David realized he was weak, God became strong on his behalf. He penned the following words in Psalms 34. He said, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. He saveth such as hath that be of a contrite spirit. What a revelation. What a revelation, church. When I'm broken, that's when God's nigh to me. When I'm in the middle of a trial, that's when God compasses me round about. When I'm in the valley, that's when God walks with me. When I'm in the furnace, that's when God swoops down and says, I'll take care of the lion. You don't worry about the lion. When I'm in the broken places of my life, God becomes my dwelling place. Now listen to me. He's not looking for a castle to move into. He's not looking for somebody that's whole. He's looking for somebody that needs him, a broken vessel. That word contract there from the Hebrew, the Hebrew is nakah, 
and it means simply contrite. But from the Greek, it means stricken. It means smitten. So he said, when you get to the place that you're of a contrite spirit and you feel like you're smitten and you feel like you can't get up, that's when I'm going to stand in, step up and stand in and take care of you. I'm honest with you today. There's times that we, are, we go to God not because we're disciplined, but it's because we've got a disaster in our life. It's not because we're just so much of a, a regular customer that we go to him. I'm not talking about just regular prayer. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. Walking around this building, I went home and told my wife, I said, honey, there's just something about praying in that building. I know there's nothing different about this building. I said, but there's something about praying in that building because it's in this place that I've watched God heal. It's in this place that I've watched God lift up. It's in this place that I've watched God deliver. And as long as everything's going well for us, it's easy to forget about God and take Him for granted and treat Him like He's just a spare tire. Just use Him when you need Him and put Him back in the trunk. But God's not drawn to wellness. He's drawn to sickness. Matthew 9 and 12 says, But when God heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. God's not impressed by me having it all together. He came to minister to those that are sick in spirit and broken in heart. He's not drawn to wholeness. He's drawn to brokenness. Psalm 51 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. David had a view of the future. Actually, he had almost a vision of the dispensation of grace where it was not going to be sacrifices that we're going to make anymore. You know, it'd be very easy to come in here and say, Lord, I'm bringing a sacrifice to you today and this is to take care of my sin offering and my trespass offering and my wave offering and here it is. God's not looking for you to bring a sacrifice. He's looking for you to bring the sacrifice of praise and worship and adoration to him. Amen. If you can praise him when you're down, you can praise him when you're up. If you can praise him through sickness, you can praise him through anything. Second Corinthians says, 12 says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was I given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, I've preached about this. Others have preached about it. I've heard pastor preach about this. A thorn in a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Did you catch what he said? He said, there's been given to me a thorn in the flesh, comma, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glorify in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in the reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake, 
For when I'm weak, what? He said, I am strong. Paul said, I prayed for God to make me strong, and I didn't realize that I was strong until I became weak. He said, I cursed the infirmity until I realized it was that that it kept me on track. I hated the thorn until I realized it was the thorn that I was going through to make me understand this glory and the grace of Almighty God. Amen. Sometimes God has to deliver us from the thorn and the furnace and the trial and the brokenness. But, but what we may not realize is that it's the disasters that keeps us close to God. It's the disasters that keeps us close to God because we have no other place to go but to Jesus Christ. It's the trial that's breaking us so that God can bless us abundantly. And as long as I'm comfortable and content in my nest, God cannot do what really needs to be done in my life. I want to I go into a man's life here just for a little bit today. Job 1 and 3, 1, I'm sorry, Job 1, 1. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, and the man was a perfect and upright, perfect and upright. So that this man was the greatest in all of all the men in the East, a man that was complete and had it all together. He loved God, but he didn't need God. Now, stay with me today. Job 29 says, 18, verse 18. Then I said, shall I die in my nest? Or I shall die in my nest. And I shall multiply as the days of, as the sand. My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay night upon, at night upon my branches. My glory was fresh in me, and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me, unto me, unto me, men gave ear and waited and kept silence at my counsel. After my words, they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them, and they waited for me as for the rain. And they opened their mouth wide as the latter rain. If I laughed on them, they believed it not. And the light of my countenance, they cast me not down. I chose out of their way and set chief, and dwelt as a king in the army, as one that comforteth the mourners. Job said, I had it all together. I planned to die wrapped up in my own little life in the comforts of what I had made of my life. And after many days on this course, after many, many days on this course, Job realized something's got to happen. He didn't need anybody else. He was the richest man in the East. He had seven sons. He had ten daughters. He had a great family. And I'm going to say it. You may not agree with me. He had a great wife. Yes, she made some crazy statements, but she did not realize why Job was going through what he was going through. But listen to what he said. Job 16, I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up, all, uh, up for his mark. What I didn't and don't have 
anything in my life going wrong, all of a sudden it all started to happen. Now you check me out on this. I could be wrong, but I searched it yesterday. I don't find a place anywhere in the Word of God where God ever spoke to Job before he went through his trial. Not one place. He didn't speak to him until after the disaster, but afterwards Job got to know God in a way he'd never known him before. Job sums up the experience like this in 42 and 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Let me, let me, if the singers would come, let me begin to close this this morning. And let me tell you that God knows where you are at all times. A few months ago, when it was still real cold, I got a call one morning. It was my daughter. And my son-in-law had gone on Lake Rayburn. He'd gone to a little place called Ashbao that's actually a part of the Atoyak. And he'd already gone out to where he was fishing and was coming back. And the waters got rough. And when the water got rough, a wave swept him completely over the boat. It hit him and knocked him out the other side of the boat. And those waves took his boat and took off with it. He had on boots up to here that were rubber and they clinged to his legs and he couldn't get them off and they were steel-toed. They were so heavy, they were sinking him to the bottom. He was fighting with everything he had just to stay afloat. And after floating around for nearly 15 minutes trying to find something, he finally saw a stump and he made his way as fast as he could to the stump. And by the time he got there, he'd been in the water 22 minutes. The water was very, very cold. He told me when, he, when I talked to him, he said, Paul, he said, my, I was numb. My fingers were numb. He said, my, I was shaking uncontrollably all over. And he said, I, 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 I just knew I was going to die. And he got, he got his phone out and tried to call, but there's no service there. And the phone had been in the water for 22 minutes. 22 minutes. And he got that phone out and he tried to call, but the call wouldn't go through. And he said, I took that phone in my shaking hand and he said, I began to tell God, God, thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. Thank you for allowing me to be baptized in your name and Thank you for my family. Thank you for everything you've done for me, God. Thank you for it. He took his shirt off, and I've told many of you this. He took his shirt off, and he tied it around, or one arm of that shirt off, and he tied it around that tree because he, he felt like if he drowned, he wanted somebody to be able to find him. He took that phone, and he couldn't get anything to go out, so... He messaged my daughter and he said, this is no joke. Waves knocked me out of my boat. I'm freezing. 
I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just want you to know I love you. But help me if you can. Please help me. That's how I signed off. Please help me. My daughter knew my granddaughter was closer to him than she was, and she also knew he, she knew, she knew where he fished on the lake, so she told her, said, run down there as fast as you can. He'd got so numb by then that he couldn't hold his phone and sank to the bottom of the lake. Just out there on the lake by himself with waves beating against him, freezing to death. And my granddaughter jumped in her car and ran down as fast as she could. And when she got there, now let me tell you this before I tell you the rest of it. Brad had not seen one, la one boat all morning long on the lake, not one. But when my daughter, granddaughter got there, there was a boat pulling out. And she jumped out of her car and blew her horn and screamed and run down, waving her hands. And they turned the boat around and come back and probably screaming and wailing. She said, my dad's out there. Oh, my mother got a text. I'm going to talk about a miracle just for a minute. I'm telling you, I live not 20 miles from that place for seven to eight, over 18 years. There is no signal there. None. Never has been. But he texted, and somehow or another, got the, God got the message. Michaela got there, and she waved at that only boat she saw. And she told them what happened. And they said to her, we'll go get him. Brad told me that in reality he had given up. Freezing to death, hypothermia had set in. By the time they got to him, actually, the doctor said he had less than five minutes to live when they got him to the hospital. But he said, I watched them turn, I watched that boat come across those waves and they come to where I was. And he said, the waves were beating, beating that boat against that tree and I'm tied to the tree. My hands are numb. But those sure hands reached out and untied him. And the two together, there was two men in the boat, and together they pulled him up on the boat and laid him down. And the man that was driving the boat had an 18-year-old boy with him. And the man told Brad, he said, Sir, this boy lost his daddy here two years ago to hypothermia. You're going to be all right. They took him, put him in the car, turned the heat up as high as they could get it. I've told you this, but when they got to the hospital, they couldn't, get, they couldn't even get a temperature in his mouth. He was that cold and that close to death. 
I told you that to tell you this. Brad could have said, I'm not going to make it. I'm out here by myself. I'm alone. And I'm not going to make it. But instead, by faith, he typed a text and he sent it. And somehow God grabbed the hold of that text and threw it to the tower. And it passed through that tower and went to where my daughter was on her job. I sat and talked to Brad and I can't hardly talk about it without weeping. But I sat and talked to him and he said, Dad, he called me Dad sometimes, sometimes talk to Paul. He said, Paul, he said, I just knew, I just knew and I was by myself. The one there with me, would you stand? When my back's against the wall and I have no one to call on, I know a name and that name is above every name. I want every head to be bowed for a while this morning. I want every eye to be closed. I want us today to allow the Spirit of God to talk to us. I want God to do what God wants to do right now, and that is to open up our heart to allow the glory of God into our life. When we get to that place, when we don't know what else to do, when we get to that place that there seems like there's no one there around, and you think, God, it's just me. And I'm in this situation because I got myself in this situation. You say, but I, I, God, you couldn't, I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference how you got there. God wants to come to where you are and put his hand in your hand and his arms around you and hold you close. Phillips, Craig, and Dean come out with a song that simply said, Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent power, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror. The only time, the only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me not because I was good not because I deserved it not because I'm just righteous he come to me because he knew I was broken and he come to me because he knew I needed fixing and while your heads are bowed today and it's just 12 o'clock and I know it's Memorial Day and you've got You'll have plenty of time this evening. But I want to ask you a question. How long will you go on in your broken condition for you send that message and say, I don't think I'm going to make it on my own. God, you're going to have to come to my rescue. You're going to have to come to where I am, and you're going to have to find me. While they sing today, I'm going to open this front up to anybody 
that wants to walk up here today and let God change and magnify and bring your life back to where it needs to be. If you don't need it, you don't need it. But I've got a feeling today there's a lot of us that need to say, God, I need to be changed. I need to be changed. I need to be changed. I need to be altered, God. I'm calling on you, God. Nobody else can hear me. I'm by myself. I'm alone. But God, if I can get a message through to you, if I can cry out to you, God, if I can, I promise you, God, I will. Make me a 